Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. You noticed that the sermon's always given on this side and the worship is always on this side? I don't, I don't know why that is, but I think I'm going to... No, I'm not going to stand here. It's too weird. But, um, and I'd mess up uh, Curtis's paper. I thought about it for a second. But let me grab one of these stands. When Rebecca is not here, Sunday mornings are really confusing. And uh, everything's late. Things aren't working. She kind of keeps us all on track. Um, I want to say two things before I... I start with the message. Um, one, this is the first Sunday of Lent. Um, I don't know if you're fasting from anything. Um, so I, I always fast from the news during Lent um, because it's just, I, I, I'm a person that likes to know things and I'm kind of a know-it-all. And so I like to know what's going on. I like to be able to have an opinion on things and it's a really disorienting time, especially, you know, there's like elections and there's all this stuff going on with the Ukraine and the Middle East. And I want to know what's happening. And, you know, part of it, I want to know how to pray, but I just want to know. Um, and it's really hard not to know. It's really hard not to, yeah, to be ignorant <laughs> and just to, to be kind of going through like, huh. And it's disorienting for my, of my, for my sense of like who I am. My son um, asked me, was it yesterday or the day before yesterday? He's like, hey, what do you think about that missile test? And I, and I was like, what missile test? And, you know, and, uh, and I, I didn't know. I couldn't talk to him about it. Um, and I just want to say, if you're fasting, that's the point. It's supposed to be disorienting. It's supposed to be recentering. It's supposed to be a time when you say all those other things that I wrap my identity around. That's not the important thing. Christ, you're the important thing. So remember that if you're fasting and you're like struggling and it's hard, it's supposed to be. That means it's working. Um, and, and if you mess up, make sure you give yourself grace and then just try again. All right, this is not a time to, to beat yourself up. Uh, all right, that's the first thing. The second thing I wanted to say with like the, the teams, the like welcome teams that um, uh, Pastor Christie was talking about, this is just a good way, one, for just to participate and to get to know people. It's a good way for to serve with your family, for littles to serve, because it doesn't take that much to be able to pass out a bulletin. And it makes us know each other. It makes us be a family. Um, so I would encourage you to do that. Um, so those are my two little announcements. Now let's start on the message. But first prayer because I am I'm really frazzled um, so I think uh, yeah this morning well I'll talk about that later but it was my anniversary this weekend and so everything was behind anyways because I got to celebrate my anniversary and Tomo Nakayama I don't know if anybody saw this but he's playing at the writer's block he's one of my favorite singer-songwriters and he just kind of randomly came up here um, to Alaska and so he's playing a little very intimate show there's like 15 people there and um, at the writer's block and it was wonderful um so um but 
Like it leaves me discombobulated in my head a little bit. So let's pray, ground ourselves, and uh, dig into things. Holy Father, Lord, you are good. And sometimes we lose sight of that. Lord, that you're the best thing. That you're the best thing. We get so uh, distracted by all the good things around us that we forget about the best things. Um, so, Lord, I pray at this time your spirit can lead us to the best things, to, to you, to your presence, Lord. That we can enter into it. That we can worship you. That we can be transformed. A little bit more like you. In Christ's name, amen. All right. Now, I, I used to drive the Alcan a lot. Um, and I haven't been on it since 2014. But I, I've probably driven it well over a dozen times. Um, and most of the time, I, I would be um, driving to see my mom or, or going to college or going back from college. Um, I went to WSU in Pullman, Washington. And so I would get off the main highway and go through the smaller roads as I hit the kind of uh, Canadian-Washington uh, border. Um, and I'd, so I'd cross in little towns like Danville or Patterson, trying to shave off a few hours of drive time or a long wait at the border crossing. And the road, it's really obvious, especially in Alaska, right? In Alaska, it's really obvious. Um, and in the Yukon, pretty obvious. Most of BC, pretty obvious. But when you start getting closer to the border, it can get a little bit more confusing. And so back in the 90s, when I first started driving this road, um, I'd often pick up a milepost or you know, bring my like Rand McNally road atlas uh, to help me navigate, because that was before phones, and you'd use your, your book. Um, or the folding map, and that was even harder, because you could never fold those right, and they, they, you know, they start off like really thin, but then they end up really thick um, because you fold it wrong. But um, after a while, I, I, I drove that road so many times, I just, I didn't need it. I just, I would just go. Now, but in 2014, um, after seminary and a, a year-long stint as a pastor in residence at a small church in Pullman, um, my family moved back up to Alaska. and. My family flew and I, I drove. Now, if I was a wiser man, I would have brought some sort of road map with me. Um, because I didn't realize eh, it was at least four years since I had driven the road. And um, before that, it was probably another four years, five years. And my knowledge of Canadian geography is sketchy at best. Um, but I was cocky and patient and used to using my phone, right? Because in 2014, you can start using your phone. So I boldly drove forth. And I made it to Canada, but somewhere on my way to Kamloops, I took a wrong turn. And my phone didn't work, because contrary to popular belief, Canada's a different country, and I didn't have an international plan. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm just driving along. I think I'm on the right way. You know, it's pretty. Um, but then I started seeing signs for Calgary. <laughs> and I realized that um, I had been traveling the wrong road for hours and hours. Um, and it was a nice drive. I was enjoying myself, but I wasn't heading to where I ought to be. And by the time I realized it, 
I didn't even know how to get back to the right path. I'm like, oh, well, okay, I think I just, well, did I just turn around, or is there another way I can cut through? Because I didn't have a map. Um, so, uh, so it, it, it did add a day to my trip. But um, many of us have had some sort of experience like this, when everything seems to be going right, but then you realize, gosh, I am just on the wrong road. I am going to the wrong place. We're in the middle of our series um, through the book of Ephesians, a peek into how God is active in this world and how we are invited to participate in it. And this is the third in our series. And we're going to get into Ephesians chapter 2, which is probably my favorite chapter in all of Scripture, um, especially next week's passage. But, um, but today we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And we're going to, I'm going to be using a different translation that might not be as familiar to many of you. Um, normally we use the NIV because that's what most people use. Um, so that's just what we use up here. But occasionally I'll use a different translation because it captures a different flavor or nuance particularly well. Um, and I would encourage all of you not to get too tied down to one translation in your personal studies. But to take, there's a bounty of scholarship and hard work available to us. So use it, especially because it's free. Uh, most of the time, you know, if you go online, you can, you can look at everything. And so the translation that we're going to be looking at today, it's going to be using the First Nations version. Um, and it's a dynamic translation, or it's a thought-for-thought -thought translation, rather than a literal. And it's attempting to create a, a translation that would resonate and uh, reflect uh, Native American oral storytelling traditions. And the effect, it can be really wonderful and make the text alive in a whole new way. Uh, which is what happened when I read the text um, today, when I read this passage. And so we're just going to walk through with this translation. Um, and so it will sound a little different. Some of the, uh, the metaphors will be a little bit different. But uh, let's hang in there and see what God does. Ephesians, we're going to start with verses uh, 1 through 3, chapter 2. We all walked a dark and crooked path that led us to death. Our broken ways caused us to miss the mark and wander from the good path, following the worthless ways of this world. We all once walked the dark path of the evil one who rules the spiritual atmosphere of this world, that evil spirit who is at work in human beings who have lost their way. This is how all of us once lived when we followed our uncontrolled emotions, fed by bodily desires and dark thoughts. These broken ways became our natural condition, and like the rest of humankind, we were children deserving of the Creator's anger. Now, I love that language. Um, our broken ways cause us to miss the mark and wander from the good path. Um, I like that. Because there's a good path that we're meant to try. We were created for a better path, a higher road. But our broken ways, they just they led us astray. They led us to go some wrong way. and. Uh, I know I have some broken ways in me. I know I do. And 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 this is where, um, in my first you know draft of my sermon, this is where I would I told I told a story about my anxiety and like how it caused me to like snap at my wife and stuff, or how I, you know, and and how you know caused me to be selfish. Um, but then I started thinking about it, and I thought, well, I don't know if that's really what this means because. You know, it's talking about the worthless ways of this world. And the problem is those worthless ways, they seem good. They seem like good things, but they lead to death. So what are the good things, the things that seem good that lead to death? 
No, that's easy. Anything that draws you away from Jesus leads to death. Okay, the world is hard and cold. It's under the power of the evil one who rules the spiritual atmosphere of this world, the spirit who's at work that human beings have lost their ways. All sorts of things in this world want to take you from God. And walking these dark and crooked paths actually reminds me of um, Psalm 23, right? Doesn't it? Or Psalm 23, 29. Anyways, the will walk through the valley of shadow of death. I shall fear no evil. Um, but all sorts of things want to take us away from God. And they press in on us. But away from God is death. And what does death look like? And I would say it looks like a really cool series on Netflix or music or the internet or that amazing book series that you're just like, ah, I got to finish it or politics or a good beer or Facebook or a pretty woman or a handsome man, a nice dinner. It could look like your phone if you're scrolling through it or the classes that you're taking that you really like to get to the job you want to get to. It can look like our culture. It can look like our jobs. It can even look like your family, like your loved ones. Because anything that's given a louder voice than Jesus leads us to death, no matter how good it can be. Because all those things are good, right? Those things are intended for good. Those things were made to be good. I mean, and defining good as God's purposes and plans. Your family's good. You know, being involved in politics. Yeah, good thing, good thing. Right? Marriage, great thing. Um, internet, internet, what an amazing tool, right? But anything that leads you away from Jesus is calling you to death. Because we're all prone to make the good things in our lives into idols, right? We all tend to follow our uncontrolled emotions fed by bodily desires and dark thoughts, right? And they overwhelm us. And those broken ways, they become our natural condition. They become the way that we interact with and follow the world. And that is the path that leads to death. That is the path that leads to death. That's actually one of the way, reasons why having times of fasting are, is important to the Christian life. And I'm not talking about like formalized times like Lent, um, though you can use that, but just times to like recenter and say, no, no, no. I know that this thing in my life is super important, but Jesus, you're more important. I, I need to put that aside. Okay. Because anything that speaks louder to us than Jesus will eventually lead us to death. All right, let's keep going. Ephesians chapter 2, um, 4 through 7. But the great spirit, who is kind and forgiving because of his deep loves, raised us up from spiritual death. Even though we were walking the road of death, he made us alive again in the chosen one. This is what it means to be rescued by his great kindness. He lifted us up with him to the highest place in the spirit world above, and he put us on the seat of honor alongside the chosen one. He did this to show the overflowing greatness of his kindness and his mercy, not only in this age, but in the many ages to come, all because of what the chosen one has done. When, when, when Jesus walked the earth, listen to the people that gathered around him. Um, this is a description of the crowds that follow Jesus in, uh, Matthew, on the, um, in Matthew 4, 24. This is right before the Sermon on the Mount. News about him spread all over Syria, 
The people brought to him all who were in various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Do you hear that? It's the sick, it's the hurt, the spiritually wounded and attack, those not in control of their own bodies. Those are the people that sought Jesus out, people that knew that they were walking roads that led to death. And they sought Jesus out because of a hope that he will do something better, and that their lives, their lives would be made better, right? That they wouldn't be sick, that they wouldn't be hurt, that they wouldn't be broken, that they wouldn't be spiritually attacked and afflicted, right? That they could be healed, they could have something better. And God, God loves, God loves his fallen children, seduced by the broken ways of the world, right? All those that wander down the wrong paths. God does not forget them. God did not forget his children in Israel. He did not forget his children in Ephesus. And he does not forget his children in Alaska. He does not forget us. And when we're at our lowest point, when we can't even stand the sight of ourselves, God still loves us. And through his son, the chosen one, Jesus Christ, who's the image of the Father in human skin. He rescues us. And so when we're lost in our addictions, the chosen one is there. When we're at the end of the rope and helpless, the chosen one is there. And we're at, we feel at the mercies of our desires, right? The chosen one is there. When we can't escape the horrible ways that we've been used or abused, the chosen one is there. When we believe that we cannot be forgiven because of the ways that we have hurt the ones we've loved, the chosen one is there. And when we're lost in our grief and in our sorrow, feeling alone and abandoned, the chosen one is still there. And when we're ashamed of who we are and what we've done, the chosen one is there. And that is what God wants us to know. God does not want to shame us. God does not want to shame us. Let's face it, the world, the world's going to constantly show us our shame, right? We're constantly confronted by our shame in this world. But God wants to show us his great love for us, a love that has lasted since the beginning of time and then will last into the ages to come, right? A love that is forever. Um, let's continue on. Verse 8. It is by trusting in the gift of his great kindness that we have been made whole. Is not because of any good thing we have done, but only by accepting a gift that we could never earn. In this way, no one can brag or boast about themselves, but only humbly give thanks. The chosen one, Jesus Christ, offers a path. He offers a way off the road that leads to death. He offers another path that we can walk. And he's, he's bringing us, that path will bring us to his Father so that we can know his Father's abundant love. So we can experience the overflowing greatness of his mercy and of his compassion. Because we were always made to walk the road to the Father. We were created to be with God. And Christ offers himself as a gift. And uh, I, I want to talk about gift giving this moment for just a minute. Um, in the ancient world, gift giving was an important part of the culture. You'd give a gift, and a, a gift that wasn't just a present, right? It was, a, it was an offer. A gift is an offer to be in relationship with someone, okay? And so when a person received that gift, if they accept it, they're expected to give the gift in return. And um, then that person, you know, will give back another person's gift. And, and, and it's a way of keeping themselves bound together in a pattern of indebtedness. Okay, like, oh, you know, you're always one-upping each other. You know, trying to give, 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 I'll give the other person. 
but the salvation, the loving kindness, the grace that is offered by Christ, it is that invitation for relationship. It is an invitation to be in a relationship with you. Because Paul is speaking in the local language by explaining Christ's forgiveness as a gift. But it's not a gift that we can pay back. All right? This is a relationship where all the power, where all the glory, all the everything comes from Christ. There's nothing Christ gains from having a relationship with us, right? He does not, not win when he gets a relationship with us. There's nothing we have done and nothing we can do um, that will equal his gift. There's no gift we can give back to him that will match his gift to us. But still that gift is offered. That gift is still offered. Christ's love still reaches for us. Not because of our goodness, our greatness, our kindness, our reputation, our wealth, our beauty, our charm, creativeness, talents, or any other thing. We're given the gift freely to be in relationship with him because of his great love for us. That's the only thing. That is the only thing there is. There's nothing within us that can boast about that. Last verse, Ephesians 2.10, um, where Curtis called out, so um, in most translations, it's translated workmanship, um, and I can't remember the Greek word, but it's the same etymology of the word poem. Um, and here, I like how he puts clays. I'm not sure if that's actually that accurate. I, I don't know if I would, I'd be down with this translation for this one little part. But, but I do think this verse sums it all up. We are like clay in his hands, molded from the chosen one, made to be like him, and walking the ancient pathways he originally created us for. Um, it does not say that we are God's mistake, that he has to throw away because they are hopeless and beyond repair. Right? It does not say that, because that's not who we are. Instead, we are like clay in his hands, molded from the chosen one. The chosen one's Jesus, by the way. Right? We're like clay in his hands molded from the chosen one, molded by Jesus, made to be like Jesus. We were made to be like Jesus, to walk the ancient pathways he originally created us for. Okay, we were all on broken paths, but there's a deeper, there's a, there's a more true road that we were originally created for. We were created by the creator, we we're made to look like Jesus, and we we're made to walk the path that he has built for us, right? From the beginning of time. Those are the they're ancient pathways. God wants us. He invites us all to walk with him, to follow him out of his great love for us. Not that we deserve, but still that we're invited to receive. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you for your goodness, for your kindness, for your love. Lord, I do pray that we can that we can turn away from the dark paths of this world 
that we can remember that the good things of this world may be good, but your best. Teach us to follow you. Teach us to have eyes that look for you. Give us strength, Lord, to chase after. To chase after you. Lord, may your spirit move within us to bring us closer to you, Lord, to drive us, to, to make us restless until we can find our rest in you. In Christ's name, amen.